I think that Anivar is probably the most abused drug in the industry. Mm -hmm. um, I learned after I quit powerlifting, I was not on the, the right drug. <laughs> <laughs> These girls are taking the big guns, yeah. and it's making them real strong. They're taking. There's a lot of drugs that are like <laughs> NPP. Mm -hmm. What is that? It's, it's a, a form it's of a, Deca. Deca. Yeah, it's a Deca derivative. Um, the nandrolone. Nandrolone. Yeah. Um, NPP is is used heavily in strength sports, and then layered with those other drugs like an Anabar and Primavera. I never touched those. I never, which also could be why that when I started bodybuilding, I had such a good response because I only really messed with those, you know, very little drops of anabar here and there. Plus, that also get really strong testosterone. Yes, but, you know, absolutely. A little bit more. There's nothing wrong with that. Yeah, there's still not to take mild amounts. Yep. Mm -hmm. I am on three milligrams of testosterone as an HRT because I've shot myself down. Like yeah. a cream or something? No, it's injectable. Oh, okay. Yeah, cream's a little hard to yeah, gauge, and the three milligrams is like. Nothing. It just puts you basically at a higher level of normal life. You have to take it every day? No. No. Once a week. Once a week. Yeah. And welcome back to the number one podcast in the sport where I regularly have to come back and say, I told you so. And it fills me with no joy at all to come back and go, I told you the sport was rotten from the top to the bottom. I told you the sport was rotten across men and women. I told you this. Yet it, it fills me with no joy because I really wanted Alicia Baumgardner to be the, the face of women's boxing, the standard bearer. You know, and she had the potential to do so. She gave us that stellar stoppage of Terry Harper. And so you're like, okay, cool. But it had never felt right. For me, it never felt right. And so we arrive at a point now where she's now fighting for her credibility, if we're being honest. So on, um, let's see, it was July 15th, right? Alicia Baumgartner defends her belts against Christina Linderatu. And I think it's meant to be like a big homecoming, big showcase event, all the usual stuff. And as part of this, they had anti-doping controls in place, I assume. We have no idea. My assumption is it's drug-free sport. It doesn't seem to be VADA. It doesn't seem to be USADA. Because we haven't heard anything about official panels and processes being gone through. And that immediately raises a red flag in terms of you know, due process and how the public can be better educated about what's going on. But park that to the side. So she's tested on July 12th. And that test returns an adverse analytical finding for, let's forget the technical names, we're going to call them Proviron and Primobolin, right? Two compounds, right? Two compounds. Um, and how do you put it? You know, once that's in you, we're supposed to be sticking to this principle of strict liability. Once it's in you, it should be in you. So the story breaks on... Uh, so Monday or Tuesday, right? And then Wednesday, it gathers traction. And th they tell us, oh, we only knew about this on August 12th. In that case, why did it take so long? And, the you know, the rumors were bubbling around for a long time. And then the usual thing comes out. To, to give Matchroom their credit, Matchroom have come out and just said, this is what it is. We'll go through whatever process we have to go through. Matchroom have just kind of 
been like we're here to support where needed but probably handled it a little bit more sympathetically than the Dillian one you can understand why because she's a contracted fighter and she's got belts so there's value in preserving her reputation as long as she's got those belts Alicia Baumgartner releases a statement on August 16th where she's you know it's the usual thing she declares that she passed a test on June 16th and she passed one on July 15th. Therefore, her argument is the one on the 12th is impossible. Not true, but okay. She then goes on to do the usual thing. I'm a role model. You know, I've been dedicated to sport my whole life. I believe in clean sport, yada, 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 yada. And, you know, she's going to keep us all informed on how she plans to clear her name and all this sort of stuff. Stu, we've been here before many times, right? We, we've swallowed this and it's not anything new. So where we're at right now, from what I understand is, I don't believe that you communicate anything if an A and a B sample haven't come back positive, right? No one's talked about, we're waiting for the results of the B sample. They've just said, yeah, this is it. And it raises a number of questions around, you know, what's the governance around this? What happens? Was, was she licensed at the time that she was tested? She had to have been, right? If she failed the test on July 12th, she had to have been licensed. And that may complicate matters. And it may not give her the get outs that other people have had. But now everyone's going to stop and go, well, hold on, hold on. What's happening with these compounds? <laughs> well, what is the stuff she took and why did she take it? So in summary, she tested positive for mesterolone, proviron, and methenolone acetate, which is oral primobolin. And so the distinction is interesting and probably quite important too. So if you look at anabolic compounds, things that make you grow muscle, um, at the top you've got kind of testosterone, right? Testosterone will give you those benefits, but will also masculinize the hell out of you. And what happened subsequent to the discovery of testosterone in the 30s, people wanted more of that anabolic effect. Like, we want people to get bigger and stronger, but this masculinizing bit, it's a bit much. Um, your elevated prostate levels and all sorts of stuff. You, testosterone in high doses is quite a messy drug. So scientists have spent years trying to create compounds that can give more of an effect than testosterone without the side effect. And when you look at that, you then start to move down the ladder of risk, right? So you've got stuff like test at the top and you'll have things like um, DECA and Anadrol. You go down the list and then you get to a point where you'll find compounds that are better, better tolerated by women. And that's things like Anavar and Winstrol. They're better tolerated by women. That's not to say there are no side effects. There still are. And you can't predict what those side effects would be because everyone's body's different. But in the doping world, you will normally get guided towards Anavar and Winstrol if you're a woman. Above those two is Primo. And... Primo Bolin or Primo, we'll call it, you know, switch between the two, is stronger than Anavar, but has also has a higher side effect profile. But it's effective because it gives you gains that aren't dependent on retaining water. So you get hard, lean gains. If you train using Primo and you gain, that's lean. That's just lean gains. And so it would benefit you in a weight-governed sport where you don't want to carry more weight than you need to, but you still want the strength and muscle contractility benefits. 
So you can understand why a boxer, being a woman, might pull you towards Primo because you're looking for the maximum bang for your buck. If you're going to risk getting caught, what is the greatest bang for my buck? And it's probably Primo. So I take Proviron on the side. So what Proviron will do is it will bind up some of the estrogen receptors because I think, I think Larry does this better than I do, so bear with me. When we're talking about just growing muscle, getting strong and all that sort of stuff, there are two tensions. There's the, the anabolic effect and the catabolic effect. So the anabolic effect comes from your things like testosterone and sort of the downstream reactions from that and growth hormone in there too. Your catabolic effect, which is the breakdown of muscle, will normally come from your estrogen side. And that's generally why women are smaller and carry less muscle than men. Generally, like there, is, there are exceptions to that. But generally, in 90% of the situations, per kilo of body weight, men will carry more muscle. What Proviron will do for a woman is it will bind up those estrogen receptors so that catabolic effect is reduced. That means all these gains you've been making with your Primo, you get to keep. Yeah? So if you're in fight camp and you're like, I want to be 130 pounds ripped to the bone. I don't want to lose a gram of that muscle. You would take something like Proviron to guarantee that. Once your fight's done, you'd probably come off the Proviron. Your estrogen levels would go up and your body would soften up again. Because estrogen will do what it does. So simply, you can see now, right, why these two drugs go well together. So it's not a coincidence that you would find them in the same sample because Primo is what you're doing for the benefit and Proviron is the wingman that makes sure you keep that benefit. So the, like generally in, in sports, Proviron is known as you know, the wingman to all steroids. So this isn't an accident that these two are together, right? Because in women's sport, it makes a lot of sense. There are only so many compounds women can take. We can talk about whether she was taking other compounds, but she didn't fail a test for those, you know. So that's where you're at. She's failed for those two compounds. Now you understand how they work together and how they work individually. You just put it, form your own opinions about why she would have popped for those just before a fight. Just saying. So for a woman, these are two really messy compounds, right? Because you can't make the argument of uncastrated boar meat. You can't make the argument of, you know, I just had elevated levels naturally. There's nothing. You wouldn't have Primo Proviron in your system under any situation. Because remember, women produce androgens from their adrenal glands only, not their testes, because they don't have them. So she's stuck. Um, we'll come on to sort of the downstream impacts of all of this, but she's stuck because now she has to prove that something was contaminated. Her argument at the moment is I passed a test on June 16th and I passed one on July 15th. So why would I, why would I fail on July 12th? And this has been a defense that's been used so many times in recent months and years, actually, that you know, I passed this test, I passed that test, um, Dillian used it in 2019 as well. 
And so here's where things become interesting. The version of Primo that she took was oral. I think Proviron is generally an oral steroid anyway. Now, most people, if you want the pharma-grade Primo, you normally buy the injectable, so enanthate, right? It's in an ester, it's in an oil. That way it gets to the blood quicker, less impact on the liver, yada, yada, yada. So, she takes the oral version, right? Who knows why? But women generally, you know, respond well to orals. Yeah, maybe she doesn't want to inject. Or the conclusion I would draw is she might have been pinning something else. So she might have been injecting something else and said, I can't keep injecting. I'm running out of places to inject. Because uh, if you go on her social media and you look closely at some of those pictures, in her abs, you can see signs where injections have clearly been made, right? Um, I'll leave you guys to go and do the, the research into that. But you can see that. So she might have been injecting some form of growth hormone, some form of IGF. She might have been injecting something and just gone, I'm going to do the rest of this oral, right? And then obviously the provirons there to stop the estrogenic effects, to keep her weight down, to keep the water retention, all that sort of stuff that a lot of women in sport would do. So what she's doing, it's a protocol they probably give to CrossFitters too. So when you take something orally, it's generally quite messy because when you inject, it goes straight into the blood, goes through the liver, a couple of passes through the liver, and it normally leaves, right? Nice cycle. When you take stuff orally, it's got to get broken down in your gut. And at that point there, you don't know where all the metabolites are going to end up because, you know, your gut behaves differently to your bloodstream. But it will go through the liver a couple of times as well. But at that point there, you don't know where the metabolites will end up. And maybe these metabolites hung around a bit longer. There's even a risk that what she bought was overdosed. Because here's another thing about Primo. You can't really buy Primo anymore. If you talk to the old school bodybuilders, remember, old school bodybuilders love Primo. Yeah. If you ever talk to guys over 50 about they love Primo. And you would travel to go and get Primo. Um, Germany, I think Bayer used to make it. I know they made it in France and it was called Prima Bolin Depot. But it's so rare to find and it's so expensive. It's one of the more expensive anabolic compounds. That's why the idea that it was um, su supplement contamination would be baffling to me simply because why would you, why would you allow a lower value product, i.e. your supplement, to be contaminated with a higher value product. That doesn't make any sense. So all of this stuff, when you look at it, it paints a very bleak picture for Alicia Baumgartner because she has to explain why she's essentially got a drug in her system that no one uses. Like doctors don't prescribe it. Like if you're using Primo, it is most likely for performance enhancing effects or off-label use for performance enhancing effects. Proviron's different. Like we understand that that's to keep your weight in check. I'd be less worried about Proviron. I don't think it gives you a massive advantage. It just helps you manage things like weight and your general energy levels and so on and so forth. It, you know, a bit more sympathy in that sense. But let's just look at the broader picture because I got a fair bit of credit and I'm grateful for the people who remembered when I saw Alicia Baumgartner, I can't remember what show it was, and she had the pink dress on and she was showing off her abs. And I looked and I went, 
I don't care how genetically gifted you are. And if you look at Alicia Baumgardner as a youngster, there are pictures that are coming up of her now because obviously they've got to clean up her reputation. She looks like the sort of person who would be quite lean and quite muscular, right? And if that's the case, fantastic. But the picture I saw of her, it was beyond that. Like you can be lean and muscular within your kind of natural frame and that looks one way. But when you've been around people who lift, when you've been around people who take gear of varying descriptions, you know when things look different. She had that weird mix of kind of roundness and fullness that women don't generally have naturally because like, they don't have the level of androgens in them to pull that off. And I looked and I went, Vada have to do something here because this is suspect as hell. Um, I'm sure I said the same stuff about Rosanna Cox and I was shot down by a lot of people and I was proved right. Like, Alicia Baumgartner is not the first and not the last woman to get caught taking drugs. She's not. And I wish people understood this. That when you look, especially that picture I saw and I said, you're compromising your health for this sport. But someone has to stop you from doing this because it's not a good look. There's so many times that you can go online and say, I only spar men or we see the videos of you training with men and doing this and that. And all it projected to me was someone who doesn't believe in themselves. And I find that baffling. Alicia Baumgardner was a damn good wrestler before she took up boxing. Actually, I think she'd wrestled since like middle school. So and she can actually wrestle. If you've ever seen those videos of her wrestling with men, like she's comfortable and she's strong. So she was always an athlete, but you wonder how secure she is in her own ability. Because remember, she lost to, L L what's her name? Linda Ratu. She lost to her before. And maybe that was a trigger point to say, ha, huh, I've got to start cooking with gas. Because you can see the changes in her from... 2020 when we really began to concentrate on Alicia Baumgartner to now over that course of three years from day you what 26 to 29 you look at the level of muscularity and you go how as a fully functioning woman that is almost impossible you can go and find pictures of Rebecca Adlington and remember Rebecca Adlington would be doing a ton of cardio. Rebecca Adlington will need stamina. Rebecca Adlington will lift heavy weights. And at no point did you ever see Rebecca Adlington looking that ripped. When Casta Semenya, the South African 800 meter runner, looked that ripped, they said, go and get your gender tested. When I look at Alicia Baumgardner, I look at someone who reminds me of a lady called Andrea Shaw. Feel free to Google Andrea Shaw because... They're very similar in that you can see that there's a good genetic base there, but it needed the gear to really bring it out. And that's, that's kind of my opinion as an outsider looking in. These aren't statements of fact, it's just an opinion. If you were to ask me, I think she's probably been cooking on hot sauce for at least three years. Just from the pictures I've seen, the way she's kind of evolved, the way her body shape has changed. These are all clear red flags to me that she's probably been using and if you ask me what she using when she fought Terry Harper, probably. I wouldn't be surprised the way she banged Terry Harper. And you know what? 
if Terry Harper comes out and says, I feel cheated, I'd also look at Terry Harper and wonder, were you clean that night? Because you look at the two physiques and you're like, these are two women who are likely on stuff. You can't say definitively, but likely on stuff. That's my worry. That, that there's been this underground movement of women in all sports, but boxing, definitely. Definitely in women's football and definitely in women's rugby. I've seen a lot of this stuff where these women are jumping on the CrossFit protocols to get that strength, stamina and speed because they feel that's what they need to operate at the highest level. And I can't disrespect that because that's what the men are doing. You know, insecurity is insecurity. It has no gender. So you've got all of this. And I think you've got a, a woman in Alicia Baumgartner who doesn't really believe in herself, believes that everyone else is juicing. So it's like, well, l let me take something. She's taking a compound. Like I said, unless she's got pharma grade primo, maybe they overdosed what she was taking. And so whatever clearance time they thought they had, they didn't have. Right? Because what she's saying is, Think about the logic of this. And I'll leave you guys to, to ponder on this because I'll keep this one really short. Alicia Baumgartner is basically telling you that the test on, July, on June 16th and the test on July 15th were correct and the one on July 12th was wrong. So my question is, what if the one on the 12th was wrong and the other two were right? Oh, let me flip that around. I just realized what I just said there. Sorry. What if the one on the 12th was negative and the other two are positive what if they were the ones that were erroneous we don't know so and and everyone has used this argument and said that one test that's going to get me a ban that's the one that's wrong so well, why aren't the other tests wrong if you accept the findings of the other tests and the methodology used in those and the equipment used in those you have to accept the one for the one that you failed to that's what's annoying me about all of this this idea that that one test was the anomaly so well no it's it's the same equipment, it's the same process, it's the same procedure. You either accept all of them or none of them would be my attitude. And with the way that clearance times are, she could have taken that any time from June 16th and said, right, I'm going to take it now and I'll be clear in fight week. Because you wouldn't take anything in fight week. And maybe they just got better at picking up metabolites. The mistakes she will make and not understand is they may have just picked up the last remnants of that metabolite and then by the 15th it's, imper it's imperceptible it's, these things happen all the time now if she had shown a profile that said i was tested five days in a row and on the first two days i was clean on the middle day i failed and on the other two i was clean then we start questioning the testing process but if you had four weeks between your first and your second test you could take anything in, in between it's easy and then you had three days from your failed test to the one that you passed. By then, the half-life theory kicks in. So I don't think she's got a leg to stand on. My concern about this is she won't get banned. Or she'll get banned in Michigan, but she'll go and fight in Vegas or she'll come and fight in the UK. And so here's the problem with, with doping. It's actually meaningless now. And if you look on Twitter, this is the... The feeling people now realize it's meaningless failing a test. You'll fight somewhere. And I know it's easy to give Matchroom a kicking, and I often do give Matchroom a kicking, but I want to ask this question Are Matchroom getting all the drug cheats because they're testing more? Because they're naive to how rampant it is? Because I imagine guys like Bob, Al are like, Look, 
yeah, we don't need all this testing stuff. We just don't want to do it. Or if we do, it's a friendly testing authority. Maybe Eddie's being punished for almost being too transparent. I'm not saying one way or the other, but if I was going to give him a squeeze, it would be that. He might be too transparent for his own good. But we need promoters to draw a line under this. But more importantly, we need broadcasters to say, how many more drug failings are we going to have on our brand? Because this is affecting zone, right? Like, zone have to look at this and go, this is happening on our channel. Like, you know, this is not a good situation for us. And not only that, but it's leading to fights getting cancelled. So there's a financial cost. So hopefully there's a, a firmer line being taken. And what we'd like to see with Matchroom now is them being proactive and saying, well, we can't work with you. Even if it's just like we can't work with you for three years. Why not? Because I feel for the young kids walking into gyms believing that their talent will get them all the way. All different ranges of genetic ability, in intellectual ability, technical ability, whatever. You're walking into a gym believing that if you train hard enough, you'll make it. Meanwhile, you've got these athletes taking Proviron and Primo acetate, so oral Primo, and you're like, well... What chance do I have? Well, I know people are saying, I hope it was a mistake. I just, I don't see how those two compounds in one test is a mistake. Like what, that would be an absolutely insane lab. Like you're an elite athlete. You're making good money from boxing. You wouldn't be buying from those sorts of labs. Like you come to the UK often, if you could find some good Primo, it's not hard to find good Primo. Or good underground lab where they go, we don't touch supplements. All we do here is gear. You know, because where are these steroid factories that are also making uh, pre-workouts and stuff? I just don't believe that's true. But if she can provide evidence to say that her her specimen was tampered with, I get it. But you can't criticize the testing unless you criticize all the testing because it's the same mechanics every time. The same body's producing the urine. The same organization is collecting in the same way. They're sending it to pretty much the same lab to do the same things with it in the same way. It's such a mechanical process. It's unlikely that there's error because if there is error, I'm not going to close the door to that, but if there is error in our doping process, you'd have to bin the whole thing off and start again. But in a year where we've had Connor Ben fail, we've had Dillian White fail, we've had Alicia Baumgartner fail. These are big names in boxing. And as I keep saying, Larry told you, he said, when you find out all these people who have been doping, you will realize that the sport's dirty from the top all the way to the bottom. And if you're a boxer right now, you're not making a stand against this. Fair enough, but it's going to affect you one day. But like I keep saying, I'm not far off just telling boxers, go and do what you want. Because that might be the safest thing to do. That might be the ethical. That might be the ethical thing to do. I don't know. But in terms of this Alicia Baumgartner thing, one, the compounds she failed for are so so unusual to find in the mainstream world. Right? You just wouldn't find them in the mainstream world. N no one really talks about Primo in gyms. Away, you'd have to really know your stuff. Like you'd have to be around people who knew their stuff to to be talking Primo and Proviron. Like, that's expert-level kind of 
guidance, right? Because most people just say, take Anavar, take Winstroll, hope for the best. So the red flags are the compounds. The other red flags are her history, where you've seen suspect photos of her so many times where you're like, you've probably been doping for at least three years, if not more, right? And then there's this thing about the testing equipment. Either all the tests are right or all the tests are wrong. But there can't be two correct tests either side of an incorrect test in terms of, well, they did something wrong. You know? And then there's the last point I want to make, which is, this is on the doping authorities. Strict liability should have meant strict liability. There should be no hearings. It should just be, if the machine says you failed, you're banned. That's what should have happened. There should have been no hearings. There's no need for an explanation when it's strict liability. You're, she said it herself in her statement. She is responsible for everything that is in her body. Now, no one says you have to take supplements, by the way. Yeah, that's not a, a rule of boxing that you have to take supplements. So she could easily train with no supplementation. But she understands that that will affect her performance. So it's just a few short leaps to go, well... If I don't dope, that's going to affect my performance too. So if I'm going to supplement and that won't be enough, I might have to go up a few levels as well. But there, there will be no innocence in this. She may be able to, to blag her way out of it. And if she does, fair play. But there is no innocence in this. Alicia Baumgardner is most likely to have had that stuff in her because she took it. And she probably took it because she felt she needed to do that to perform. And I always say insecurity is a bitch. But we'll see what happens because this is going to be that test for, for this matchroom drug-free sport thing. This is going to be a test for what actually happens. And all eyes are on Eddie Hearn now because we're not trying to hear no, well, they do it like, they do it like this in the NBA or the NFL. It's like, well, no. Like, Alicia Baumgartner could do life-changing damage to somebody in a boxing ring. Do the right thing, Matchroom. Do the right thing, Eddie. Huh?